now with the latest from the world of technology. This is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 257. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thanks once again for listening. Thank you for loyally downloading. First-time listeners, welcome aboard. We hope you enjoy the show and continue to listen. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, Nest Smart Products have just launched in Australia. The German company that can help you kiss your electricity bills goodbye. And CASA has issued more fines for breaking safety rules in the same week where Pauline Hansen dodged one. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to run our eye over the LG G7 OLED 4K TV, the Air Bar that can turn your laptop display into a touchscreen, and we're going to check out the new L Drive app. It's like Uber for learner drivers. And we'll wrap things up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. A massive show for you, so let's jump straight in. Well, a company called Nest has just launched in Australia. Nest is a very well-known smart company. They're they're one of the the brands that launched several years ago in other markets, the US, Europe. Didn't make it to Australia until this year. They've been around for quite a while. Actually, the the company was founded by a couple of former Apple employees, and uh, they were actually purchased by Google back in 2014. Uh, before their parent company, Alphabet, took them over uh, this year. And they've got more than a 1,000 employees already established in 12 countries. Australia is the lucky 13th country. They're one of the top brands in the connected home space. They're in millions of homes uh, in those countries. And being former Apple employees, you'd you'd expect the company uh, being run by former Apple employees you can expect and you do receive some uh, some excellently designed products that are meant to work really easily, really easy to set up, and uh, can help you not only not only can add to your convenience, but also add to your safety and security as well. They're going to launch with four new products. Nest Protect, which is a smoke and carbon monoxide alarm. That's going to be priced at $189. And this is an alarm, unlike your regular smoke alarm where it might chirp every time the battery is not right or simply just go off if it detects any type of smoke. In the case of Nest Protect, it can actually, it speaks to you. So it may may say smoke's being detected in the lounge room. The alarm's going to go off in 10 seconds. It's going to be loud. So it sort of gives you a precursor or warning and also tells you where it's going to be, where the the problem is. And if you do happen to have cameras, which we'll talk about in a minute, it'll also activate those cameras to show you where the problem is. So a really intelligent system that can warn you not only about fires and smoke, but also for silent silent killers like carbon monoxide. 
So uh, an all-round protection right there. And it will know too if you've if you if you've just burnt the toast, you can just simply just just press the alarm again and it, and it won't sound the smoke alarm. With the smoke alarm, smoke is smoke, and the alarm goes off anyway. This one tells you that there is smoke. The alarm's going to sound shortly, but you can then cancel that if it's only just a minor issue like burning your toast. The other products they're going to launch are two indoor cameras. Sorry, two cameras, one indoor, one outdoor. The Nest Cam indoor camera and the outdoor camera both going to be priced at $319. Now, these are monitoring your home inside and out. Very easy to install. They both plug into power. So dead batteries, having to change batteries isn't going to be an issue. If you do want to connect it outdoors, there's a seven meter cable that allows you then to link it to your, to your inside power system. So a bit of work involved for that one. Your indoor camera has a magnetic base, can be stuck anywhere. They've all got night vision as well and can also look for motion, sound, send alerts. If you, you could even set the type of alerts you want to receive. Uh, night vision, as I said, can give you sort of 24 7 coverage. And these also report back to the Nest app so you can control and watch live in 1080p HD from anywhere. They've also got two-way audio so you can speak to someone if there's there if they're there. You can also all you can send all your images and all your video up into the cloud using the Nest Aware service. So what this allows you to do is save all of your footage and pictures, whatever it takes up in the cloud and allows you to access them, say, for the past 10 days or the last 30 days, depending on the type of membership you want. I think it starts at about $14 a month. And it allows you then to go back and use a new feature called Nest Aware. So what it allows you to do is to go back and and see, like it's time lapse of, say, 10, the whole day. You can, with a swipe of your finger, you, it's like you've time lapsed the whole day and you can see if any objects peek in. The, the Nestaware is also smart enough to pick out the frames where there's something in the frame, a person or a vehicle or something different in the frame, and it puts them, them up as little bookmarks as well. So it's smart enough to do that. It's got an algorithm that can work all of that out. So the, these are going to be available from today. If you're listening, it's July 11. Today they're available. They're going to be available actually through iSelect. Now this is the exclusive launch partner for Nest and iSelect is the comparison site that also happens to offer things like insurance and broadband plans. So what iSelect plans to do is perhaps bundle these products into an insurance or broadband plan. So if you just want to buy them outright, you can. If you're happy with your existing insurance and your existing broadband, that's fine. But there may be some deals if you want to sign up to a certain broadband plan or an insurance plan that then could be discounted to a certain amount, so that may that may pay for maybe the cloud Optus, uh, the the cloud Nest Aware service, which I think for a whole year would work out at about two hundred and fifty bucks. If you can save five hundred on insurance because you bundled it with Nest, then that may uh, that'll sort of pay itself off. And the fact that you've got Nest, you've got security cameras, you've got protection with that with the uh, with the Nest Protect Smoke and Carbon Monoxide Alarm, the insurance company will know. Well, okay, you're less of a risk because you've got all these protective devices. So that that could also lead to a better deal as well. Same deal if you want to sign up to a broadband plan. 
they may uh, the, the discount may pay for a product or may pay for that um, the cloud subscription as well. But those prices again: the Nest Protect Smoke and Carbon Monoxide Alarm one eighty nine, Nest Cam Indoor and Outdoor both three hundred and nineteen, and Nest Aware that's the smart cloud storage is fourteen dollars per month. And you can store up to 30 days of continuous video in the cloud. Not just when you, you detect motion, continuous video. That's 24-7 for 30 days you can store up in the cloud. And it's all going to be available through iSelect. If you want to read more about that, those products, our new Nest products launching for the first time in Australia, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Now, energy is a hot topic in Australia, always always has been, and in recently, plenty of talk around rising energy prices, uh, talk even in South Australia, Tesla's going to install the world's biggest battery in, in South Australia. Uh, prices are going up, not only for, for customers, but for businesses, and the just, just a week ago, the prices went up by 20%. So it's uh, it's interesting times to be looking at the energy market and ways to minimise our bill, to get our electricity bill down. And one, one way to do that, of course, has been around for quite a while, are solar panels. Solar panels allow you to harness the power from the sun and use that energy to power your home or parts of your home at certain times of the day instead of having to pay it all from take it all from the grid. Then came along the battery systems. We saw the Tesla Powerwall, and that allowed customers to use the energy from the sun, store it in their battery, and then use that stored power during peak times. So you can imagine sun sun's beating down on your panels. That power stored in your battery, and then at, in the morning when everyone's getting up, showering, making breakfast, and then in the evening when the washing machine might be on, you're making dinner, everyone's having showers. Uh, though they're the peak times, the battery may be used to use power at those times of the day. So you're paying, you're using your own electricity at the most expensive times of the day when the grid is used normally. So you're saving money right there. And so your electricity bill can be lowered quite dramatically. We did see a case of a family, they were the first installers of the Net Tesla Powerwall. Their electricity bills were reduced by 92.2%. So uh, that's a significant saving. Of course, there is a, a cost uh, up front, a layout of, of cost for the panels and the battery, which could run up to ten to $15,000. And... But when you consider the amount of money you're saving on your electricity bills, it could pay itself off in about five or six years, and then you've got very, very cheap uh, cheap electricity into the future. That's the basics of solar panels and batteries. But last week, there's a new player in town. They landed in Australia and it being distributed exclusively by Natural Solar. This is a German battery company called Sonnen. That's S-O-N-N-E-N. And they are here, they're a battery maker who are here to offer free power to homes using their system. So you may have panels or require solar panels, and if you use the Sonnen battery system, you can sign up to a service called Sonnen Flat. Now, this is a a system that links every Sonnen customer's battery together. So you're sharing your power, excess power, 
to other Sonnen users and also back onto the grid. So by you signing to Sonnen, you agree that they can use your excess power to go back on the grid for balancing purposes or to other Sonnen customers. And will they, in exchange for that, you'll be guaranteed a zero electricity bill. That's right. You have a Sonnen system installed and agreed a Sonnen flat. You will not pay for electricity again. Now, this is a partnership with Natural Solar, uh, a major, major partnership for Natural Solar. They're the exclusive partner in Australia for Sonnen. And Sonnen, by the way, really successful in Germany. They're a German company, naturally. And they've uh, had had a massive uptake in Germany where it's been a huge success, similar success in the US and Australia is the next market that they've that they've where they've arrived. And the battery system will last it's it has a ten year warranty but can effectively run for twenty years. And even after twenty years, all you're losing is a slight amount of capacity. So they could even work beyond twenty years. So they're using a special type of battery, a lithium-ion battery that can that can run for, for thousands and thousands of cycles. So the the improvement in the technology, so the, the intelligent storage system can adjust to the energy usage in your home. And when, you, when that's combined with solar panels, uh, you've got all this energy coming in, battery storage, you could be off the grid. So... After energy prices went up 20% the other day, it's, it's feasible that in four to five years' time, your energy bill that you have today could be twice that amount in four to five years. So if you pay $4,000 a year for energy, it's quite possible, in fact, near certain that in four to five years, that bill is going to be $8,000. So let's look, though at the Sonnen install costs. Now, the, there, as, naturally, there is a cost to this. They start starts at about six thousand, all the way up to about thirty thousand, depending on the size of the installation, the number of solar panels that you that you've got, and the amount of power that you'd like to generate. So, you think about let's look, let's look at the top figure thirty thousand thirty five thousand dollars. I've seen quotes for these systems, and they're there for pretty big houses. But those big houses are also using a lot of power, normally two story, uh, normally with a family. So just, just, talk, just, just thinking about the initial savings of electricity, if you're a family that uses, say, $4,000 of, of electricity per year, this thirty-five, let's call it $30,000 system will pay itself off in seven to eight years. So the, the system will be paid for because of your energy savings in seven to eight years. Now, looking beyond that, we're thinking this is the sort of system where you need to sort of look at it, not just from the next five years. You need to look at the next 10 to 20 years and just consider the other things that are going to be in our life. Imagine, I think it's a pretty good chance that nearly half of people in 10 to 15 years are going to be driving electric cars. So where where are they going to be charged? You need a system that can maybe handle that as well. So taking that into account. But I think the other major thing to consider is the addition of, uh, of this system and how much value it can add to your property. Say that you, you have a Sonnen solar panels and uh, solar panels and Sonnen battery installed, Sonnen flat all the way, zero electricity bill. If there's a potential buyer, if you're one of the three or four homes on a shortlist for a potential buyer, a great selling point would be 
to these potential buyers. By the way, the house has panels and a Sonnen battery. You don't have to pay for electricity. They'll see straight away that in, in by the time you sell in 10 to 15 years, that's probably a $10,000 a year saving, and your your home is suddenly worth a lot more in their eyes, becoming a bit more valuable. So consider it not only as a saving to your electricity bill, but an investment in your home where it can potentially add that kind of value to your house. And anything that can help you reduce your electricity bill is great. Reducing it to zero is even better. If you want to read all about Sonnen Flat and the Sonnen Battery, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Now, late last week, there was a story around about Pauline Hansen was was, uh, filmed flying a drone in Townsville. And uh, it, it, naturally, all all the news sites jumped on it and pointed out the potential, the the laws that she was potentially breaking by flying this Mavic Pro off the balcony of a, a Townsville apartment building. Uh, nothing has come of that, which uh, it's, it's probably not surprising. She she flew it off the off the balcony briefly. She probably broke the law in terms of being close to a building and and near uh, close to people. Uh, she claims she was flying above a gravel pit, but still doesn't doesn't change the fact she was pr- quite close to a building. Th- that aside, this week Casa has come out and fined some other people for illegally flying drones. There was one of the, one of the cases was actually a nine hundred dollar fine issued for what Casa called hazardous flying at and near guests at a wedding in regional New South Wales. It turns out that wedding was actually a celebrity wedding, the wedding between Peter Stefanovic and Sylvia Jeffries from Channel 9. Sylvia Jeffries is the newsreader on the Today Show. Peter Stefanovic is a roving reporter for the same network. They were married, uh, and the one of their photographers who actually used uh, the drone was fined for, for, for after the footage was uploaded to social media. So, again, providing the own evidence against yourself is a dead giveaway. Uh, that that occurred back in April, I believe. But uh, that was the the wedding that the that Casa mentioned was actually the celebrity wedding of Sylvia Jeffries and Peter Stefanovic. But there were other fines. A drone pilot was fined fourteen hundred and forty dollars for flying around Sydney Harbour, which unless you really know the rules or unless you have the excellent uh, Casa app, can I fly there? which can tell you where you can and can't fly, hence the name of the app. This this joker flew around Sydney Harbour, which is actually restricted airspace. He flew in the restricted airspace and within 30 metres of people. So it's uh, a pretty expensive joy flight around Sydney Harbour. There was another another fine issued near an Easter egg hunt where someone actually filmed uh, in Canberra a group of children at an Easter egg hunt. They were, were classed to be uh, put at risk by a drone flown at a height from which if the drone malfunctioned, it would not have been able to clear that area. That's the reason why there's 30-metre restrictions on being near people, being near buildings or any kind of vehicle, built-up areas, roads, because of that very reason, if you lose control and you're closer than 30 metres, there's a chance that someone may be injured. Now, back to Pauline Hansen for a moment. And I did write something on Tech Guide. I did write a blog about this because 
The the old she'll be right, mate, attitude about drone safety uh, is a dangerous one. And, and her flight there, just to sort of get a few hits on social media, sort of highlighted that cowboy attitude that we do have towards drone safety. The reason I know this uh, and the, why the kerfuffle kind of reminded me how little drone owners know about where they can and can't fly, the reason I know all these rules is that I'm actually a licensed drone pilot. I got my drone license in November last year through UAV Air. I completed the Certificate 3 Aviation Remote Pilot Visual Line of Sight course. Now, this course comes with a 420-page handbook, a 45-point pre-flight checklist and 15-point post-flight checklist whenever we have to fly. And what impressed me about this course was how thorough and and and, and, compl- and, and so deep in, in the knowledge that the pilot has to have about where they can and can't fly the drone. It surprised me the amount of knowledge that you needed. So anyone thinking they can just walk into a, a store and buy a drone and and fly it wherever they like without knowing the rules, they're being irresponsible. It's kind of like driving a car without a license, driving a car without insurance, and you're putting other people at risk. Uh, So if you do intend to fly a drone, I'm not saying everyone has to have their license. You do need a license if you're going to fly it professionally and make money off it because to fly professionally, you need insurance and have insurance, you need a license. So if you that, if that's what you want, I've written a great sto- a, a, a great recount of my uh, time getting my license with UAV Air. That's linked in my story, my blog about Pauline Hanson and uh, the whole drone safety issue. But even if you don't want your license and you just want to fly for enjoyment, you really need to be considerate. Just just think of what could happen if you lose control of that drone. So don't be near people, don't be near buildings, don't be near cars, don't be near kids. Don't think, oh, yeah, she'll be right, mate. I'm going to I'll, I'll photograph your wedding for you. And then you're wrong, stick it on the remote and, and injure eight people. Uh, that's not the way to go about it. And CASA will soon find you out and fine you. So uh, I think best thing to do is better safe than sorry. Can never apply better than it does here. Download CASA's own app, Can I Fly There? It'll tell you whether you can and can't fly where you are. You can also enter an address so that if you, you want to fly somewhere and think, oh, I want to fly the drone here, you can enter that address ahead of time and it'll tell you if you can and can't fly there and even tell you why if you can't. It'll say, I want to fly to Sydney Harbour Bridge. It'll say, sorry, restricted airspace because there are seaplanes and helicopters flying there. And the harbour's always been restricted airspace. So you'll know why you can't fly there. Check before you do, because in the in the event something goes wrong, uh, it's gonna, it could be something you regret for years to come, could even end up with, with legal action against you, because if you've injured a child or injured property, then and you don't have any kind of coverage and you were breaking the rules, then there's no help for you. You are going to be in a lots of trouble, uh, not from CASA, but also potentially from uh, from the other pe- the other parties involved if there is some damage caused. Uh, if you are a professional, you can actually get insurance, and uh, it, the first thing the insurance company is going to ask you is what's your aviation number. To have an aviation number, you need to have a license. So uh, just like your green slip on your car, you can have drone insurance that can cover you up to twenty million dollars in, in in liability damages, and. If you do fly, say you want a, a company wants some drone photography or video, whatever they want, first thing they're going to ask you is, are you covered? How much are you covered for? Is it the minimum $20 million? And if you have all that, then you can, you're can you ready to go and you're covered with your insurance. But if you're not and you still want to – and you, if you want to fly for enjoyment, by all means, but just be careful. Safety first. Don't think you can fly it anywhere you want because you can't. 
And how many times have I heard of, of new rookie drone pilots who just bought their drone from Harvey Norman or JB Hi-Fi and tried to fly it, didn't know how to fly it properly, they've had a, like a flyaway, so they've lost the drone or crashed the drone. Uh, hopefully, usually not, not anywhere near people that I've seen drones drop into the ocean. But uh, I have heard of cases where drones have flown into cars and damaged cars and near people and, and, and damaged all kinds of things. But uh, hopefully that's a rare occurrence as long as people follow the rules. The drone industry is really moving along and it's only in the, if, if people just continue to ignore the safety rules, it's going to be in trouble. If we all follow the rules, it's going to have a very bright future. You can read about the drone finds and also my blog uh, following the Pauline Hanson flight. You can read about all of those things at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Meet Orbi, the world's first tri-band Wi-Fi system. Orbi gives you reliable, secure and speedy Wi-Fi to every inch of your home. Yes, everywhere. No more dead zones upstairs, no drop connections through walls, just better Wi-Fi across the board. Orbi reaches up to 370 square metres through Wi-Fi barriers like walls, stairs and doors. With a dedicated internet connection, Orbi helps prevent buffering while streaming your favourite movies and shows. No matter how many devices are connected, you have ultra-fast Wi-Fi speeds. The Orbi band Wi-Fi system, tri-band Wi-Fi system, works with your existing modem to maximise the speed you're paying for. Orbi's sleek design and state-of-the-art technology steals the show. It gives your home a superior Wi-Fi network that's both easy to set up and elegant to display. With just a couple of clicks, your secure Wi-Fi network will be ready in no time. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. Orbi, better Wi-Fi everywhere. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennett. Tech Guide. Our Tech Guide reviews, we're going to kick off this week with probably one of the best televisions I've ever seen. It's the LG G7 4K UHD OLED TV. That's a lot of acronyms, a lot of initials, but they all add up to excellent. This is a TV that you would admire and enjoy looking at, even when it's turned off. The design of this thing is remarkable, and the being OLED, there's no backlight, so you can have these impossibly thin screens. In this case, the G7, it's just 2.57 millimetres thick. And if you want to know what that is, you can squeeze a couple of credit cards together, two or three credit cards together between your fingers. That is the thickness of the screen, if you can believe that. It's remarkable. It's even bonded to a sheet of glass because the, the, the screen on its own just wouldn't have that structural integrity and needed a sheet of glass to, to bond to, to give it that touch of added strength. Check out my picture on Tech Guide. I've, I've actually got a picture of the screen that I'm holding between my fingers, and you can see for yourself just how thin that is. It's got a base, and it does have Dolby Atmos speakers on board. So not only are you getting great design and OLED picture quality, which has got superior black, stunning colours, more than a billion colours this thing can display, but you're also getting Dolby Atmos sound quality as well, and this fantastic design, boxes are being ticked all over the place here. You also get, when you turn the TV on, the black levels, which will knock your socks off, 
the colours will dazzle you. You also get HDR, Dolby Vision HDR as well. So the range of colours, the contrast, the brighter brights, blacker blacks and everything in between is what really pops here as well. Now we, we tested this with we tested it with Netflix. Netflix had the very, their first Dolby Atmos movie. So it was a 4K movie that also had HDR, so it had high dynamic range, and it had Dolby Atmos as well. It was called Okja, O-K-J-A. So it had 4K, HDR, and Dolby Atmos. So you can imagine how good that looked and how good it sounded on the 4K LG G7 OLED TV. It was remarkable. But also, if you're viewing 4K movies on disc, we watched a few of those during our review, and they were also HDR compatible as well. So the colors popped, the contrast was, was singing, and you got that Dolby Atmos soundtrack as well. That was on the disc as well. So Dolby Atmos is this, what I call, three-dimensional sound. So we, I think we spoke about it last week where Netflix offered uh, Dolby Atmos for the first time with Okja. I watched it on the new TV. Sounded brilliant. So you're hearing sound around you, so surrounding you, left, right, behind you. But with Dolby Atmos, you're also hearing it coming from above you. So you hear air, aircraft and all this, this cacophony of noise and like sounds of a forest or a gunfight at a nightclub, rain falling down. You can hear everything surrounding you. So it's not just around you, it is above you as well. Uh, that, that really adds to your enjoyment. The TV uh, has, like, once you get over how thin and light it is, it, uh, how thin and, and bright it is, the black levels are fantastic. Uh, it's got four HDMI inputs, three USBs, one USB 3, two USB 2. It's also got digital audio output, uh, optical output, an Ethernet port, so if you want to connect a cable if it's nearby. It's also got Wi-Fi built in as well. And uh, if you want to mount this on the wall, you can. So the base, if it's on a desktop, on a standing surface, an entertainment unit, the uh, base sits horizontally. But if you want to mount it on the wall, you can swing that base up to the into the back of the screen, so it's hang, it's vertical, and that the bottom of the base then becomes the mount to the wall. And then you can lock that into place, and the speakers then adjust to shoot out of uh, from from the front. What's the new front uh, of the of the speakers? And it it automatically adjusts, so you're getting the same sound quality, even though it's in the mounted position on your wall. Under the hood, you've got a quad core processor too, so it's pretty snappy. The performance is really good. Wi-Fi on board, I've already mentioned. There's also uh, the new LG Web. OS 3.5 operating system. So uh, it, it, you do have that, a really easy way to navigate, uh, easy way to set up for a start. Set up takes seconds. Plus then you've got a really easy way to navigate all your uh, your features, easy way to get to all your streaming services like Netflix and Amazon and, and anything you like. Um, and it also comes with two magic uh, remotes as well. So a larger one and a smaller one. And, and like the earlier models of the LG, they do have the on-screen cursor so you can get around to whatever features you want, navigate a little bit like you would with a computer mouse uh, on your screen. Same thing you can do on your television. Now, it was very hard to identify any negatives about this TV. The only thing I could think of was that with the long, longer base, I think the base is about 24.5 centimetres long, you do have to reach a little bit further to connect your inputs. If it's a normal TV, a thin TV, the inputs are right there on the back of the screen. But because the base acts as like the guts of the TV, all the circuitry's there, naturally all the ports are going to go there as well. And there was really no other place you could put them but at the very back of the base. 
it wasn't that much trouble to get to the back. It's just slightly, it would have been slightly harder than a normal TV, but that's the thing. This isn't a normal TV. I just couldn't think of anything else negative about it. That's the only thing I could think of, and even that is really not an issue. The recommended retail price of the G7 is $9,099. But before you gasp, it's uh, I've seen it in store for cheaper than that. About $7,895 is the best price I've seen. So if you shop around and you've got a few bucks, this is a TV that has no match in the market. It, it's, it ticks the box for innovation, technology, design, quality. It's all there. Stunning-looking TV, even when it's turned off, it looks amazing. And then when you're watching it, of course, an unmatched TV viewing experience. You've got great picture quality, Dolby Atmos sound that sounds terrific. As I said in my review, if there's a better TV on the market, we haven't seen it yet. So if you want to check out my review, the LG G7 4K UHD OLED TV, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Now, how would you like to turn your laptop computer, let's call it a MacBook Air, which has not normal display, not a touchscreen display, how would you like to turn that or a PC laptop that doesn't have a touchscreen, how would you like to make those laptops, uh, turn those displays into a touchscreen? Well, you can do that with a new product called the Air Bar. They're available for the MacBook Air, so 13.3 inches. They're available for Windows 10 notebooks, 14 inches, as well as a Windows 13.3 inch and a Windows 15.6 inch. So four products in total. One for Mac, only works at this point for the MacBook Air. I'll explain why in a minute. And also there's the 14, there's a 13.3, 14 inch and 15.6 inch for your bigger laptops uh, available on the, the Windows version. The, the Mac version naturally is that light silver anodized in aluminium color. The Windows versions are slightly darker, the darker grey. Now, how this works, the air bar is secured below the screen, the bottom screen, uh, a bezel of the screen. And you then attach the bar with a couple of tiny magnets. It's really easy to install. The magnets are already stuck to the bar. You line it up, and then the the small magnets uh, stay stuck on, on the laptop. And then from then on, the air bar can just pop on whenever you want. Now, there's a USB cord on the right-hand side that connects into your USB port to connect it to the system and also provide the power. And from then on, it'll download a, a some firmware that you install into your system preferences in, in your Mac. It'll go in your control panel on your Windows machine. And lo and behold, your window is a touchscreen. So on the MacBook Air, when we tested it, we connected it up, went to a tech guide website, and rather than having to use the trackpad or a mouse, we simply touched the screen, scrolled up and down the screen like it was a giant iPad. And it also responds to all those other gestures, like pinching to zoom, whether you're on a map or scrolling in a document, scrolling on a website, swiping side to side to various things. So it just adds another level of convenience to a product that wouldn't normally have a display, like the MacBook Air. Reason why the MacBook Air is suitable to this because it's got quite a thick bottom bezel below the screen. So there's enough room for the air bar, which is about probably one and a half centimeters tall, to sit below the screen. The new MacBook Pros, the bezels are way too small for, to allow the air bar. So for those computers that allow it, like the MacBook Air, like a lot of Windows computers that are on the market, and I know already Windows notebooks, a lot of them already have touchscreens. But what about if you've got a couple-year-old laptop or a year-old laptop 
or even a, this year's laptop, not all of them, not all Windows laptops have touchscreens. What about if you wanted to have a touchscreen? Well, you can add it with this. They start at 119 bucks for the 14, and uh, all the Windows ones are 119 bucks. So, 14 inch, 30.3 inch, 15.6 inch, 119 bucks. Slightly more expensive for the MacBook Air, 13.3 inch screen, 149 dollars. Now, you think of all the things you can do with a touchscreen. How convenient it would be. You're getting touch functionality, so you can even write on the screen, paint on the screen, scroll with your fingers. Treating it like a massive tablet. So you can use gestures, uh, touching, pinching to zoom, and it works with any application, uh, even even though they're not built to be uh, touchscreen. The, the air bar creates this field. It, it, it creates this field that knows exactly where on the screen you're touching and then adjusts to the movement required for the screen. So if in the case of a, of a browser, it knows that your finger where it touches the screen is the start point and your motion up and down, it reads that as well and then adjusts what that action needs to be. In this case, it's a scrolling motion, so it moves that. If it's a pinch and zoom, it'll enlarge or reduce the image or map that you're looking at. So it's a really intelligent system. Airbar, you can buy it now. You can read our story at Tech Guide. You can buy it as well from the uh, from the next tech site. I'll put a link in my story on techguide.com.au. Next up, we're talking about El Drivo. Now, this is a, an app. Uh, it's a startup. It's only been released uh, less than a week ago. And I was contacted by the two partners of El Drivo, a couple of surfing buddies who had an idea. They thought, well, something needs to be done about road safety. They were reading about how many young people are dying on the roads. And and this app was the result of that vision to reduce the number of young drivers killed on the roads. The the, the 25% of all vehicle fatalities in Australia is drivers aged between 17 and 25. 25%, that's one in four fatalities are in that age group. Despite the fact that that age group only makes up 13.5% of the total driving population. So you, you're seeing where this is coming from. If we if we learn, if, anyhow, when we're learner drivers, if we are taught professionally, then the chances of reducing that toll is, is, is increased. And that's that's the, the thoughts behind these two guys, Nathan Dawes and Dane West Wasterwaller, who formed El Drivo. Now, this this is an app that is has been described as like Uber for learner drivers. So can you imagine you're a learner driver and you want to book a driving lesson? Rather than you scouring the yellow pages or asking friends for recommendations, you can jump on the app, register as a learner driver, and then see the the driving instructors in your area. Driver instructors who've registered on the app, who uh, have their ratings shown there, a little bit like Uber, the, where the driver's rated. You can check what sort of vehicle. Well, that's kind of the first thing you do is see what sort of vehicle you want to drive, and it'll tell you what's available in your area up to a radius of about 50 kilometers away so that the driving instructors can choose to have a regular account or a pro account that will make them visible up to 50 kilometers away. And you then choose whether you want a male or female instructor, depending on what you're comfortable with, and see what available times there are. Once you make the booking, like Uber, the driving instructor makes their way to you, picks you up, 
have you have your lesson. The lesson, by the way, is tracked on GPS, so you can track your duration, average speed, all that information for your logbook is all there within the app. And then when you're done, you've got a credit card registered to the app so you can pay for your lesson uh, once you're finished. And they'll drop you off exactly where you want to finish up, whether it's where you started at home or whether you want to be taken somewhere else, then that's between you and the driving instructor. So if you're a driver, you find the car that you're comfortable driving, you can check out the instructors, read their ratings and reviews. You can also sort the results uh, uh, by price, by whether it's a manual automatic vehicle and if the, the instructor's a man or a woman. And you make your selection, instructor picks you up, and then drops you off at the end of the lesson. Now, if you're a driving instructor, of course, you can register as a driving instructor as well. And you can then, rather than the work you chasing the work, the work could possibly come to you. And if you set up a pro account, it'll help instructors become more visible at the top of searches. It'll expand their surf radius, their search radius, as I mentioned, to from 30Ks to 50Ks. So if they're searching, it'll allow them to put more pictures of their car Uh, in their account, so five images instead of one with a non-pro account. And you'll also, uh, driving instructors will also have exclusive access to deals on car insurance and uh, purchasing, when they're trying to purchase a new car, there may be a deal in it for them as well. So I think both both parties win, the driver and the instructor. The driver wants quality instruction. The driving instruction needs students. And El Drivo can put them together. It's available now. It's free. It's in the App Store and the Google Play Store. It's operating in beta in 40 cities around Australia. It's also going to kick off a private beta in New Zealand and also in the US. So if uh, you're a parent listening to this right now and you may have a, a son or daughter who's learning how to drive, get them to download L Drivo, register themselves, and uh, help them find a great driving instructor because it, you know, it might cost a little bit of money. You might find a deal, but it'll save you having to do it as well. If you're a parent and like taking your son or daughter to drive good luck to you but if you want to find a professional driving instructor because the instruction instructions with a professional driver the hours i think count for three times that of a non-professional instructor so there's that option as well l drivo check it out my story is at techguide.com.au keeping you updated and educated this is tech guide with stephen finney tech guide The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that helps keep you and your family safe online. There's lots of valuable stuff stored on your computer. You think about it, photos, videos, tax and work documents. But imagine if that was all gone, encrypted and impossible to retrieve. What I've just described is called ransomware. That's malware that locks you out of your files and then demands that you pay up or lose access to them forever. That, unfortunately, is on the rise in Australia. In fact, Australia is now the most targeted country for ransomware attacks in the Southern Hemisphere. Norton Security Premium is a powerful internet security solution that can help keep you safe from ransomware, including the recent WannaCry ransomware by blocking dangerous files, warning you against dodgy links before you click, and backing up files from your PC to the cloud so you'll have a copy if anything goes wrong. To learn more about how to protect your online life, visit au. .norton.com Tech Guide Now, answering all your tech questions The Tech Guide Help Desk The Tech Guide Help Desk this week I'm going to concentrate on one little thing and this, this I get asked this question a fair bit and luckily uh, there was some research done by finder.com.au about what is the right age to give your child their first smartphone now, this really depends on the parent, depends on the circumstances. So uh, the research found that 14 was the right age. 
two in five people, that's 44%, said 13 to 15 is the appropriate time to give your child a phone. They're, they're responsible, old enough, and need it for not just for a toy, but also for security purposes. They may need to catch public transport, need to for, to, for them to be contactable uh, and for them to contact parents. So decision, that's that's sort of kind of the, big, the biggest decision to make is that, when do you, does your child need it? There may be kids younger. You may have a, a child that does catch public transport and even though they go to primary school or sometimes they may be at home alone for periods of time and that would then decide whether they need a, a phone at that age. But the general consensus is 14 m- means they're old enough to handle it and are using it for the right reasons. Uh, a quarter thought between the ages of 10 and 12 would be the right time. 28% even said later, 28% said they can wait till they're 16. 16 to 18, they thought was the appropriate age. They may have mistook that, mistook that for the right drinking age. But no, this is the right age to get a child their first smartphone. But again, the decision's up to the parent. There's no hard and fast law here. But if you do, if and when you do buy your first phone for your child, a couple of tips. Entry-level phone would be good. Uh, they're they're not, not too expensive, but with all the features that you that you need, uh, and all, all the apps they need to run to be contactable. Don't be going to spending thousands of dollars like a, a 12-year-old doesn't need to have an iPhone or the latest Samsung. That is it. Well, good luck to you if you want them to have it, but kids uh, tend to lose things and damage things, and if you lose an iPhone, uh, it's an expensive replacement. If you lose a cheaper device, uh, not so expensive to replace. You've got to remember to set the rules. These are little mini computers after all, so uh, just be careful. Check out the parental control, uh, the parental control, so they avoid your kids looking at inappropriate content, especially if they're only uh, 12, 13 years old. You don't want any of that going on. And teach them, teach them etiquette. I think it's important at that early age to show them that they don't have to be on the phone the whole time. Uh, show them appropriate screen times, appropriate times where uh, you know screen times set the set the limits. Tell them that it's it's not polite to be looking at your phone while you're with other people, etc. You know, as a parent, I suppose you, it's a natural instinct for you to teach your kids the right thing to do and teach them the right thing to do with a mobile phone. That's included in the deal, I think. Lead by example as well. I think that if your child sees you on your phone the whole time, they may be somewhere in the park or something and you're not even looking at them or or paying attention to them, you've got your head down on your mobile phone, they're going to think that's okay and they'll probably end up doing that themselves. Maybe look for times where you can have screen-free periods uh, make sure they turn the device off and put it away when they go to bed. You don't want them on that find that phone during the night. Uh, just a couple of uh, just some hints there for parents who will one day be buying their child their very first smartphone. At what age? That's up to you. But fourteen. For my kids, I waited till they were 12 when they started high school because they had to catch public transport and I, I wanted them to have a phone so that if they missed the bus, they could call me and I could pick them up. It's kind of a security, uh, just for added security, but that's me, 12. A lot of other people think older, but the decision is yours as long as you make it uh, for the right reasons and also teach them the rules. You can check that story out at techguide.com.au. And that's the end of our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. You can read about everything that we've talked about, of course, at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, please send us an email, info at techguide.com.au. 
Big big shout out, big special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening once again. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, as we always say, stay safe and stay connected.